shop. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Gray. Welcome to Talking Shop, the podcast where I dive into my guest relationship with their work to learn why they do what they love to do. Holding the Hanukkah mug tonight is rising Pittsburgh improv star, Ben Amiri. Maybe risen Pittsburgh improv star. Uh, I met Ben at his very first improv workshop with Irony City back in 2008. Since then, this shy, introverted young engineer has become <laughs> a shy, introverted, and very talented <laughs> improv performer. Uh, since cast on the Skid House team, the up and up, Ben has been a steady player Monday nights, appearing on Field Trip, and two stints with the well-known Strangers. He's also been on independent teams, such as AKA, Irony City, <laughs> Crime Scene Improvisation, and Dari Firks. But most fascinating to me is that Ben works hard for his art. He puts in the time and is very humble, and it pays off. So for these reasons, I'm pleased to welcome to the stage, Ben Amiri. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank sir. You. So glad you could come. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You started in improv, I think, compared to myself and other people I've had so far. Just like I started in, in college, a lot of people start earlier in life, and you kind of came to improv. You were already kind of a professional and working. Right. Uh, you, like, what was it about improv that was intriguing to you that brought you to that to your first kind of time with improv well i think it was a couple step process in a way like the first time i had ever d even conceived of improv was at the <laughs> workshops that you put on and that was uh actually in 2009 i think when i moved to pittsburgh i was just looking for a thing to do i lived in a small town for a long time where there wasn't a whole lot going on which so was, which town was that uh, los alamos new mexico ah, yes. so i had moved to pittsburgh and i was like i i'm in a city i'm gonna do things that i never had the chance to do i'm just gonna go do whatever is going on in this city so uh i had just somehow had heard about improv before and googled it and found that you were doing these uh workshops and yeah came to one. Have you always been the kind of person who would sit, who would think like, I'm in a city, I'm gonna do the kind of things I've never done before? Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I think, I think yeah. that does speak a lot to the kind of person that makes, that makes improv easier, at least to, to teach, to absorb. Um, and it's, it's interesting to me that, that, that like you were just like, well, I've heard of improv, let me try that, but it does lend well to this kind of art. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really just dive in. I, you maybe not remember, but at the workshops that I attended, I really didn't do that much. I yeah. mostly sat there and <laughs> tried to do as little as possible. It's like, okay, if it's everyone get up, like I'll go and do the thing, but otherwise I'll sit there mostly terrified the whole time. Mostly just going there was the, the big thing for me. So uh, it was really a process to find that uh, I really enjoyed it and yeah. wanted to do it more. Well, and I, you know, they say showing up is 90%, but I, I do think that, uh, that it was, um, it, it was a time before we, we started to see, you know, more and more and more of you, uh, I shouldn't say see more and more of you, but like more and more of you coming out, but you always were dedicated and coming, you know, all the time and, and participating in that way. Um, and that's great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I always loved seeing it. Like, even when I was, like, one foot in the door, I was still coming to shows, like, almost all the time. Yeah. And uh, it was really, uh, I don't know, almost by accident in a way that I got just 
kept every every step was just the next step and that's kind of how I've gotten here it's not like <laughs> it hasn't really been like a conscious effort to this is going to be a big part of my life which it is now it was more like I'm going to take a level zero class I can I can do that right it's like <laughs> well I guess I can do a level one and then with some prodding from uh, very insistent people <laughs> like, uh, like Mr. Uh, Donald Joseph Kingsbury was one of them who was like, uh, we're forming a group and you're in it. It's <laughs> like, uh, okay, I, I can do that, I guess. So that was the start of AKA. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, do you remember the first show that you saw? Um, no, not really. I think... I think I was just doing the level zero classes and then just started coming to shows a lot. So, yeah, and yeah. you really did come to shows a lot. I mean, I think that's the other thing I really noticed is that you were, like you said, even if you weren't always participating, you were, you were always here yeah. um, at the theater. And I think, I mean, I wonder if you, if you have a feeling the more, and maybe getting ahead, but the more you're um, coaching and performing, like, do you have a sense of how, how much just seeing all those shows, you know, taking classes, like I feel like you were um, so involved, like, do you feel like you were seeing that stuff and saying, oh, I want to try that, I want to do that, or like, do you have a sense of how being around that much really informed your work? Well, at first, it, the, for the first year, there was probably none of, I want to try that. It was just <laughs> probably, wow, that's, that's really funny. That was probably the only level I was thinking about anything. Yeah. Uh, and... It was only over time that I started seeing things a little bit differently and thinking that I could try to incorporate some of this stuff. Because uh, like at first, in doing it, things are just coming... I think this is true for almost anyone who starts doing improv. Things are just coming at you so fast when you're on stage. There's just so much going on. You're just kind of hanging on for dear life, trying to like get through the scene and not make a complete idiot out of yourself. <laughs> uh, so it's not like... I'm going to try to, you know, do better object work or like have more and have it my characters more. It's like, I am just trying to get through this scene. Like, that <laughs> is it. I can't really process the idea of doing something more. It was really, it really took a while to start thinking, I want to try specific things with what I'm doing. Uh, so jumping forward a little bit to, to kind of your work now, you have a, I think especially in Pittsburgh, maybe in general, just a very unique presence on stage. Uh, you've been described as a quiet explosion of brilliance, uh, and as someone who will who will look at you so intensely that the hair on your arms stands up because all that energy is right there. Um, do, do you feel like those descriptions? Maybe I don't know if you see yourself that way, but that matches up to the the kind of improv you like to see. Like, does that come out of you watch stuff, you synthesize, and you're like, that's who I want to be, or is that just who you are on stage? Uh, well, yeah, I think that's what I want to do. I want to, I think the biggest thing is just to be 100% like right there with what's going on. And if I'm, if people feel like I'm really there with, with them in that scene, then that's great. That's, that's huge for me. Uh, it's, it's something that I don't know if you, if it's something you can really try to incorporate, you know, it's something that you really need to it's not like something that I would have seen and tried to incorporate. It's right. more like this scene is going to be more fun for me if I do that. I probably didn't realize people were doing it on stage <laughs> until I started just trying it. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's interesting. It's almost something you, you have to not try to incorporate. It's like the more you try to incorporate, the less you are present in that moment. Yeah, I think you, you feel the difference when you start trying it. Like when you stop worrying about 
I mean, they always say, stop worrying about being funny. That's a huge right. thing, right? It's like when you really do trust what's going to happen on stage and just being up there with the person, it kind of kind of lets a little bit of the pressure off of you, but also makes things a lot more fun. Do you, do you have a sense of where that, um, that came from for you? Like what, or what, why that's so inspiring to you as opposed to maybe other, you know, just talking about game or relationship or, I mean, maybe that's all important, but was there a yeah, teacher or a moment? Well, I think all that stuff's important. I think part of it is like, when you start doing this, a lot of times you'll think about a lot of things beforehand and you'll be nervous about things and uh, you're like, oh, I gotta have like an idea for a scene, like what, what can I do? And eventually you just run out of ideas, you're like I have nothing. <laughs> and then that's like when you're really free. That's when you can come up there and be like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do with this scene. I'm just, I have no other choice than to just engage with this person. So uh, it's, so I think that was a big part of it. And then just starting to, when you start seeing the progress of a team and you start seeing things come together in different ways, things that you didn't know were possible, that's always pretty inspiring. Let me check back. I mean, do you feel like you got to a point in your work where you, you did feel that? Like you ran out of ideas and you would yeah. start to come out on stage and that's when it, that freed you up to yeah, feel like... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this yeah. is what I can do? Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of it, yeah. I mean, it's not like I even could come up with anything good beforehand. I would just be worried that I couldn't come up with anything beforehand. So just not worrying about that was, was really nice. Um, you started there for a minute to talk about the feeling of like when, when a team starts to come together. Um, I want to maybe um, take a minute to talk about the well-known strangers, um, right. if I pull the right card forward. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I might call them the uh, Steel City Improv darlings. They were the first house team <laughs> to last two rounds of auditions. So they, uh, they were a team that was formed by the Steel City Improv and then um, uh, went back through auditions and, and kind of stayed together with some new members. Um, and I think kind of looking back, your, your work, you were doing, doing really well and, you, but, and your work really started to soar uh, on, on well-known strangers. Uh, can you... Tell me just a little bit about what, what you thought made that team or that your experience on that team unique. Um, well, at first I was pretty, there was a lot of people that I was familiar with uh, just from doing other things like with, with CSI uh, and I think Field Trip. I had, I'd improvised with a lot of those people, uh, except Brett Kudnak, I had oddly never improvised with before. <laughs> like we'd both been around for like a year or so yeah. and just had never done a scene together. So uh, it was interesting just being around all these people and feeling like the first time we met, it was like, this could be really good. Like this is, this is going to be fun. I think you we, already kind of felt that chemistry at the beginning. Yeah. It was like everyone was very everyone wanted to do good work and there wasn't a lot of ego about it. It was like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do the best thing and have fun and support each other. Uh, yeah, so I think that was just the start is just being able to connect with people. And, it, it, and that wasn't instantly for me. Like I was always intimidated by Brad. <laughs> I thought he was hilarious and he is still hilarious, but uh, I was so intimidated that, and it's, this can still happen to anyone. You can still be intimidated by someone. And like uh, that can lead to like not making strong choices. It can be like, this person's really funny. I'm just gonna like hang back and say yes and let him do his thing. And like, that'll be our scene. You know? yeah. And it takes a while to be like, 
you know, this person wants me to give things. And that goes for everyone that you're in a scene with. Everyone you're in a scene with wants what you're bringing to it. So you kind of have to bring that stuff out as much as you can. So uh, I don't think there was a specific moment that, that clicked. It was more like just getting comfortable as a team. Uh, I think once we just started finding new things that we could do with Harold, that was inspiring. Now, uh, I want to talk more about Harold. I, I'm interested in that, that when you say it's not a moment, um, but even just how that process comes about. Like I've, I've worked with, um, with teams, with people, with players like, like Brett, uh, where I, I see exactly what you're talking about and trying to encourage people to say like, you know, um, yeah, they, they will really uh, thank you to continue to be a strong player in that scene instead of just letting them you know, have those laughs. And I'm, I'm interested in just, you know, what you think that process was. Like you're saying, it's just feeling more of a team, but is there there's something, was it a realization for you or just the process of getting to know them as well and, and getting to know the work? I think sometimes it's, you'll start off a scene with a strong character and then uh, someone who else, someone like Brett will come in and he'll be like, I already have the strong character. I have to keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't defer at this point. And then right. like, oh, this was really fun. Like, if I just bring everything I have to this, I, like, this, this person is still going to be hilarious. And now I get to be a bigger part of the scene, too. And do you, do you got, do you, that team, or I guess other teams, do you talk about the work in that way? Like, after a, a show or a... Uh, not on such an individual basis, not mm. in such a sense of like, uh, when I do scenes with you, I think this. It's more like as a concept for the overall show, like did we, did we achieve the second beats that we wanted to? How are the games? Like did things come together? That kind of thing. Um, and like I think that, well the big thing with One with Strangers is just, uh, like we wouldn't have found these new avenues for Harold. I have to give props, of course, to Woody because he was like the, the, the certainly the biggest uh, influence on improv to me so far. Uh, it was seeing like seeing how character-based Harold can be. I guess I had never really thought of it in that way before, like pushing characters forward in the second beats and then letting things come together in ways that I didn't quite realize. And also like. Harold can be so free, like we think of it as such a rigid structure, but uh, there's so much freedom in how things can come together and coalesce and disappear. It's, uh, it kind of can maybe get a bad rap sometime, I think, for its rigidity, which it, I don't think it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does seem like a matter of perspective and one that, that we're trying to get out of in Pittsburgh generally. Um, uh, sort of on that, that note, um, Maybe we can move into talking about your your coaching a bit because I, I think this is related. Maybe gives me some insight. Um, so Karen Forney, who you coached on on Hotel Nowhere and have performed with as well, um, said that she gets a sense that you you want to see in a performance the emotional journey of a character through a show and the higher themes that um, that bring it all together. Uh, and and maybe some of that comes out of what what you were just talking about your work with Woody. And I was was interested in and why you feel you gravitate toward that and where that, that sense comes from, or even if that is, you know, in all cases, your, your primary focus when working with a group. Yeah, I think that's almost always one of the big focuses. Just because I love it, I, that's what I really want to see, like in a show. I, I, if I see a series of funny scenes, like, that's cool, that's fine, I have no problem with that. Uh, but to me, like, I 
I, don't, I wouldn't walk off us walk away from a show where there was a bunch of funny scenes and really remember it for that long. I, there's right. not a whole lot that I would walk away from that. I, I would walk away from something feeling, wow, if we had scenes that were interesting and funny and at the end things came together in a way where it seemed like there was something bigger throughout the show. Uh, if there was some sort of so like a theme for lack of a better word uh if there's just something that brings it all together uh yeah i really do try to get that as much as possible it's a hard thing to force yeah definitely what and you're ha, have you seen a lot of examples of shows like that was it largely through working with with what are you well-known strangers where that that kind uh, of was driven yeah it's probably biggest with well-known strangers uh, and I think in coaching, like, there are certain things you can ask people to think about uh, throughout the show that I think will help facilitate it. Like, mm. uh, when we're maybe through second beats or maybe if we're, like, two-thirds of the way through a show, uh, like, I, a lot of times I just like to ask people, uh, what do you have in common? What is a char- what character? What's your most compelling character? What does that character have in common with any other character in the show? Mm. Uh, and then just think about that, because that'll kind of bring out the theme. Like if someone is running from something and maybe just someone else is something they're trying to escape from, like maybe it's the theme of the show is people trying to escape from things. And you don't have to go into a show, like you know, even if you're like 10 minutes in, you don't have to know what that theme is. Yeah. Just by asking those kind of questions, like what, what's going on in the show? Like what is, what is common that's happened so far? So in, in a rehearsal, you'll... You might stop and ask, or yeah. you ask. Okay, sure. That's awesome. Uh, and and actually, as we're talking more more about coaching, so we talked a little bit about what you want to see for the show. Um, I also got a lot of feedback about kind of just your style. Um, I think you, as you become a more sought after coach, I'm starting to get some sense in, into why. Uh, here's just some thoughts too from people you coach. Uh, ben is both direct and kind. Uh, he successfully mm-hmm. maintains and supports a fun atmosphere even while working hard. And I, I think that these, that, that this balance is something that's really eluded me. Uh, in that <laughs> I'm direct and work hard. <laughs> uh, and and I'm, I'm interested just kind of where, you know, what, what have been those influences? You know, oftentimes people say like with parenting, you kind of uh, rebel against, you know, your parents if, if you didn't like them or, or, try to work towards them if you did like them like you know where has this sort of coaching style come from because I think it is it's really impressive to hear that kind of feedback um well I think it comes from a couple things I mean uh just a logistical thing I don't sit down generally like I generally walk around the whole time because it (laughs) it gives me more energy I think it gives Mm -hmm. more energy to the people up there uh and that goes down to the first rehearsal I had with Woody actually was very interesting. Uh, we, it was well known strangers, and so one time we uh, go up on the stage. Uh, he's like, "Okay, let's do a run." We so we walk up on stage. He says, uh, "Hey everyone, we're well known strangers. We're gonna do this." That's bullshit energy. That's bullshit. <laughs> go back. Do it again. We run like holy shit. We have run back and then come up and do it. So uh, that sort of vibe was like jarring yeah. in a good way so uh, I don't necessarily yell at people very <laughs> often uh, and I don't make people cry as often as Woody does 
but uh, I do try just to have that sense that I'm, I'm engaged with what you're doing. I want people to know that I'm really, like, I'm with you in this thing. Like, we're all in this thing trying to get through it. It's not like me sitting back on a perch like, you didn't please me with that scene, you know? It's like, I'm here with you. Like, we're going to get through this thing. We're going to figure out what makes this scene work. I think that's the biggest thing is thinking... Because uh, I don't come from an acting background or anything like that. Like the engineering sort of mentality is like, what makes this thing work? What makes this scene work? Let's figure it out. Like why? I don't want to just give negative comments. I just don't want to just tell people what they did wrong. I want to know like what what made that scene right? What were the strong choices? What could we have done differently? It's really uh, as simple as that. And just making sure that people stick with choices that they make at the beginning. Uh, like so often, I think people's instincts are right on. What they want to do is great. Uh, it's, I think coaching is just a matter of focusing it to something that's happening right on the scene. Like if someone has like, if someone comes into a scene uh, with, you know, Dad, I want to be a bricklayer. It's like, okay, great. Like that's that's great. That's a motivation for your character. All we have to do is focus that. Like, what is this person doing that's keeping you from becoming a bricklayer? make that happen just try to make that happen right. it's a simple and that somehow sometimes we start with those big ones like something conceptual throughout their lives and we have to like focus that to that one character or sometimes it's something simple like open this jar for me open it and now i need to see like we and then we take it from something smaller to something bigger why does this person want this jar open what does that mean for these two uh so it's really just big on like letting people know that what they're doing is right. Most of the time, what they're doing is right. We just need to figure out like how to make it happen in that scene. And do you feel like you more, most effectively will do that in side coaching a scene? You'll talk or give notes? You'll Yeah, side coaching is uh, definitely something that I do. Uh, I try to let them do one run where I don't, do anything and just kind of let it happen. Uh, but especially in the first half of the practice, I will have no reservations about doing that. Uh, I think it, I've heard it said that Sharna Halpern said that students learn more from success than from failure. So mm -hmm. if there's a clear thing that can be done in a scene, like if someone is like just saying, I want to be a bricklayer, I want to be a bricklayer. <laughs> Damn it, why can't I be a bricklayer? Like, I'm not going to sit there for two minutes and let that go on, you right. know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them, like, this, that's great. Make it happen right now, you know? It, it, the, the side coaching doesn't need to be completely elaborate. It's just going to be something simple like that. Uh, what is this person doing that's keeping you from being a bricklayer? Make that, get rid of it, you know? It's, that's, that's side coaching to me. Yeah. So you have played on three skit house teams, all of whom performed Harold. You've also played on, uh, named some of them beginning duos, trios, indie teams. Recently, you've been working with Dari Firks on a variety of forms, deconstruction, mm -hmm. um, the dusty. Uh, is, there, is there anything about any of those forms that's particularly appealing to you in your work? Uh, is, there, uh, is there something you know, we've talked a little bit about a lot of work that's kind of beyond form or particularly about Harold. Yeah. Um, but is there, it seems, it seems a lot of uh, form experimentation in your, your improv <laughs> lately. Uh, yeah, well, I think that's probably true. Uh, 
Yeah, I think deconstruction we wanted to try just because we had never really seen it done in Pittsburgh before. We had heard about it just through reading and listening to podcasts and that kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, we're, we can try it. Let's just see how it goes. And uh, yeah, I, I do like experimenting with different forms. I think it just brings out different aspects of what you're trying to do. Uh, like deconstruction really sort of fo really forces that connection between the characters. Uh, I, we probably don't want to go into like what exactly deconstruction is, like the whole form. I mean, basically, there's like this source scene, and we kind of, yeah, for lack of a better word, like deconstruct the specific aspects of it. Like, what is the maybe we'll deconstruct the relationship dynamic between the two. Uh, maybe we'll later deconstruct like the specifics of what they've talked about. Um, so that kind of forces you to be grounded. Like if you have that source scene that's crazy, like you don't have a whole lot to play off of when you do your scenes that break out from it. So uh, I think it just, I like the, the forms because they do force different things. Uh, and the Dusty I think was fun. Uh, one, because there's no sweep edits, which I, I don't like very much <laughs> in general. I can't remember the last time I did one, but uh, uh, I, I really liked the uh, idea of tagging out and keeping as much specificity in the patterns when you do the tag outs. Uh, like once you see doing tag outs in that way, it's really a lot more fun to have that replaying these patterns as much as possible. Uh, it does appeal to like the engineer mentality. I mean, you know, that's really a big thing for me, it's just like replaying these patterns. It's not necessarily that uh, I'm gonna come up with the funniest thing in the entire world, but I can figure out what's happening throughout the course of a show and what needs to happen next. And a lot of times that will just end up being funny just because yeah. we've committed to it throughout the show. So. Uh, so I, th I like forms mostly because they, they bring out different aspects of the performance. So is there, uh, so I imagine like you brought up as well, like there's a strong part of you that enjoys doing Harold, um, yeah. but I, I kind of feel the same way in that, that it's like forms have that uh, strong draw of you can work on something, but they, uh, you can also just get bogged down doing a bunch of forms that don't help like I feel like each one kind of takes its own energy. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think in almost pretty much any long form show, that the overall goal that I sort of like we talked about before of like having things come together with some sort of bigger purpose or theme, I think that that holds for all of those forms to me. Right. Uh, and I think they're they're all forms in a way because they lend themselves to that. If if you're really doing it right like if you're doing a herald like hopefully if you've hopefully you can find those themes at the end if you have the time and you've committed and all that stuff it's great if it comes together you know sometimes it doesn't it can still be great uh, but sometimes people who are watching will see things see themes that you didn't even weren't consciously aware of right. throughout the show and that's fine too uh, but like deconstruction will sort of lend itself to that too uh, like you do all these scenes, and then at the end of the deconstruction, the way we were doing it, was just a run of fairly fast scenes where you're just essentially doing callbacks to almost everything that happened in the show was fair game. Uh, so just doing so many callbacks quickly in a row will just spark things in your mind, like these things can come together here. So, uh, so I think they all have that goal of bringing things together. 
Well, speaking of forms, uh, <laughs> a terrible segue. Uh, we're going to do some improv. Uh, you had started to talk to me a bit about what you wanted to do today. I think it's pretty straightforward. We have about yeah. 10 minutes. Going to do some, uh, well, I'll just let you, you talk to you <laughs> and describe a little bit about what you want to do. Uh, sure. Yeah, I think we'll just, uh, I, of course, what I'm saying here doesn't go for like, this is the way to do improv. This is what interests well, me right now, you know? This is what, uh, we'll let the history books decide. <laughs> uh, like, I'm not big on just suggestions in general right now. So I like, I just want to come out, the two of us, um, and coming out with some sort of energy or attitude. And that's it. Uh, like, if there is, a lot of times we'll have like some sort of plot thing in our head or premise. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of improv that can be premise-based, which is great. Uh, but for this, uh, what I like to do is just be on the back, and whatever the premise was, like to leave that on the back line, just take that first step out, and just have an energy, and that's it. And then go from there. So from there, we have total freedom to do whatever we want. Uh, we have our, the two of us doing a scene. We can introduce new characters, uh, and we'll be patient. Um, and uh, patient in the sense of like if someone makes a move we're gonna let we're gonna see what happens with that move you know like uh, I don't need to necessarily jump out of what I'm doing if someone makes a move you know like if they're calling for something if they make a move and start talking to a character that's non-existent I'm gonna go be that character but uh, I don't need to necessarily drop everything just because someone does something uh, I can still stick with what I'm doing and trust that things will work out um, yeah, and also burned like, before. What? <laughs> You've been burned before. Uh, well, I wouldn't say burned necessarily. <laughs> I just think that uh, that we can all just just trust that things will be fine. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. Uh, and I think with patience, it's not a lot of what I'm saying doesn't mean low energy. Like yeah. uh, it it just means that coming out with something and not being freaked out. That's all. That sounds good. Let's do some improv. Jeans. Yeah, I know. It's about damn time. I don't like skinny jeans, Pete. I know. I know. It's about time you bought something that suits your style, okay? Why do you insist this is my style? Because maybe it's the style you project on me. <laughs> Accept it, man. If you can't accept who you are, you're never going to make any progress, okay? I'm eating a piece of cake. My graduation party. You haven't graduated to a different pair of jeans, okay? You're still awkward. I'm sorry to say, you're still awkward. Well, Sorry to say it, but maybe I don't want to be cool. Maybe I want to be awkward. How could you say that? Don't you know how, how wonderful it is being cool? You know, you come home late at night, lipstick all over your face and, and booze on your breath. 
It's not such a glorious life because you just walk into your room and you put on your, your nirvana. You're not any more happy than I am. Aren't I? I think I am. I think I impress everyone I want to come in contact with. I saw, I saw you crying into a pillow. Yeah. When you saw that, tell me, were you impressed? I was a little impressed. I thought so. You cried a ton of tears at one time. I know. <laughs> and there's a very good reason. Are you going to tell me the reason? Yeah. Because you're leaving. You're going to miss me in college? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know. No one's as awkward as you. I, I need that contrast, okay? Can we talk like this more often? Because that lowers the gap. The coolness and awkwardness gap is normally like this big. You're the only one who came to my party. You have to admit you're a little awkward. No, I'm totally confident in this party. If there were a girl here, she would have two options, and I would be the one up there talking to her. <laughs> There's no girl here. I know, but there could be. And I would be the one there, because I am the confident one. I'm you're just deflecting. You're going to miss me, and it makes you sad. It makes you cry. Niagara falls into a pillow of sad, Pete. Yeah? Confident in my sadness. Doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like it does. I've only been sad twice, and I was never confident in it. Only been sad twice. Once when my fish died, and once when my mom died. Lord. No wonder you're so awkward. You gotta experience. You gotta experience sadness. I don't know how. Ah. <laughs> you enjoy that? Yeah. How do you feel now? Angry. <laughs> you should feel sad. You were, there's something you were enjoying and now it's gone. But I'm mad that you ruined it. <laughs> Where's this anger coming from? You threw my cake on the ground. No, no, no. Where is it coming from like from you? You're so mild there. You gotta... I figured you'd be in tears right now, honestly. <laughs> I don't like it. You gonna miss my cake? No. I wasn't eating it. Then why would you be crying? No, if I were eating it and someone knocked it out of my hand, it would be bald. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> oh, hey, quite alright. <laughs> <laughs> Brought a gift for the graduation boy. Oh, I'll just take that. You gonna give it to them? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. About there be more people here. Oh, you got all the people you need. Don't you worry. 
<laughs> oh man, it's a picture of you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Isn't that nice? That is really nice. He said he wanted something pretty. <laughs> wow, mission accomplished. You know what? I think I'll just hang on to this. You know, actually, this party's kind of lame. I'm going to go. Oh, <laughs> hey, uh, you don't have to do that. Uh, you know, things are just starting to get wild. Okay. Commence. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I don't like to brag, but uh, all the people here, I'm certainly the most confident. Is that uh, your pool on that? Or? <laughs> I'm just going to go.
course I would. Maybe uh, I could help you with your homework and you could uh, help me meet women. We'd be like, uh, like bosom buddies. Now, I can't tell you how much I wanted to steal that girl from you. I don't think she was mine to be stolen from. She brought you a picture <laughs> of herself. Oh, that's, is that a sign? That's a huge that sign. Means? Yeah, like it was it was gonna happen for you, like 98%. It was gonna happen. Oh my god, I had no idea. Yeah, and I I blew it for you. I stepped in, I was just gonna take it. Sorry, I was getting lonely in the car. I wasn't sure who was if anyone was coming. Are you still here? <laughs> and are going to talk a little bit, but if you have any questions about that set or for Ben himself, you can start to make your way over to that microphone. That was really fun. I definitely felt like like I walked out and I was like, it's dark. And my go-to is always to lean on a post. Um, and then I was like, I shouldn't lean on this post, but by then it was too late. Um, but it became just an awkward thing. I definitely felt like I wasn't really thinking too much about what was happening yeah. at any point, which was great for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then at some points throughout, I was like, nothing is happening. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't really bothersome to me. Yeah. Um, but I felt, yeah, it was like a little mellow. I don't know, what did yeah. you think about Yeah, it definitely set? was mellow. I mean, I think that's one of, the, one of a lot of, a lot of, uh, of a large range of emotions and energies that you can have mm -hmm. in a show. So, like, if we did have a scene like that, I think we would probably next have something crazier, higher energy, probably faster paced, probably something more game driven. Right. Because uh, I think it's totally fun and fine to play that way. Like, uh, like we'd be building really, we'd be building throughout the show, like all these characters that came up, we'd have a lot of things that we could do with them uh, later on. So uh, yeah, so I thought it was fun, yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, we have already a question over there. Go right ahead. Hi, my name is Donald Joseph Kingsbury. I have a statement and a question. Hello, sir. <laughs> All right, DJ. The first statement is, I have never forced anyone into an improv group. We can edit that out, right? This is, yeah. this is <laughs> not a news show. Not anybody. <laughs> Let's get to that question. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you ever, like, when you're doing a scene with somebody and like they come and you're reacting with them and they're not giving anything at all. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm not selfish on paper, I don't talk about myself. <laughs> no, yeah, I know what you mean. So like how to react in that situation? Yeah, like you how, feel that? Like, cause I've been finding myself sometimes with that and I try to give as much and I don't want to like over. Yeah, well I think when I, uh, my style naturally, like when I was, uh, not to like toot my horn about the award, but I was called supportive, like the most supportive one. And, that, and I didn't really think of it as like a, an award, it was more like a perception of like how I perform. And uh, mm -hmm. at that time I was really thinking about, like I need to change my style. It's really so dependent on like 
the other person in a way. Like I'm always mm. reacting. I'm hardly ever pushing things. And and then I did a week long intensive at Annoyance, where which is a totally different style. Yeah. I mean, that style is very much like do your own thing, do your own thing. Don't worry so much about what's going on on stage. So I think my focus now is kind of in. Uh, like trying to meld those two very distinct ideas. So I think in that situation, if I did have the thought that uh, someone isn't giving me something or what I expect, uh, I mean, that just gives me more freedom to do things in the scene. That just gives me more freedom to do whatever I want. Uh, and, uh, and I can go to them. Like I think it in, not to like, uh, give other people's mentalities, but in annoyance, like you wouldn't worry about it really. You would just keep doing your own thing. I, and I think to me, I would really try to go to the person and engage them as much as possible and just keep, uh, and whenever they give me anything, like I think the biggest thing sometimes is we, uh, especially starting out, there's so much happening that we don't, we're so concerned of, uh, I need to listen to this, I need to listen to this, uh, I'm gonna give some information, I'm gonna give some information, oh, this right. person didn't react to that, uh, that must not have been good, they didn't accept it, I'm gonna give some more information. And all at the same time, the other person is doing the exact same thing. The other person is like, I'm gonna give some information, I'm gonna give some, this person isn't reacting, because we're both thinking so much, we're so afraid to react, <laughs> so, uh, so I would, so the biggest thing I would say, if you're not getting, just react, make whatever they're doing important. Uh, go to them in that way. Like, keep your own character and find out why whatever it is they're doing is important to you. Uh, don't be the one who reacts uh, and uh, try to engage with that person as much as possible. And have no expectation about what they're going to do. Uh, just go and make it important and let things happen. Yeah. I guess that would be my advice. That's there. wonderful. It's uh, another question queued up. Uh, yeah, Ben, you seem to have a very, you're very driven on getting better at improv. And coming from a person that's never done it before to where you are today, can you talk about what what does drive a person to continue doing this and get better and better and better? What's it for you? What's your driving force? Uh, like for me it's just those shows that really do come together like there's a different feeling when it's a show that uh, everything hits you have the connections on stage uh, there are laughs that happen because I I don't really I've never really been someone who tries to make jokes or go for laughs mostly because I have no idea how to do it so <laughs> uh, but when I can have those connections and have a bigger have a show that I really feel strong about. And I think we really did something there that like most people couldn't do. And, uh, there's just a different feeling coming off the stage of having that connection, having that experience. Uh, so I think just to me the drive just comes from trying to get to that point as often and consistently as possible. Uh, and it also gives you a chance like to exercise parts of the brain that you don't get to exercise very often in polite society, you know, like you can, uh, it's like a little laboratory where you can test different reactions, you can test how you poke people and see what happens in this sort of controlled environment. Uh, that, that sort of freedom is just, uh, it's hard to find any place else. Uh, so to me it's, yeah, the freedom to do whatever you want and it's that sort of high that you get from having a really, a really good show. 
And some of it too is, is just your personality. I mean, to hear you talk about it is very inspiring. Uh, and I think, you know, like there are those among us who will always, when we are inspired by something, just dedicate ourselves or a big part of ourselves to that thing. Yeah. And then there are people who are equally as inspired uh, and just the way that they do that is, is um, whatever it is, they just don't have the, the, that part of them that <laughs> brings them out to every, you know, to a show every week or whatever, and that's fine. Um, but I think, yeah, when you describe it, it's like there are some people who will always go to everything and some people who won't, that's just the way you're made up. But it, I think it, it's clear to me how much that pushes you forward at such an accelerated pace. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think if you want to be good at this, like you need to, if you want to be good at anything, yeah. you have to spend a lot of time doing it. Uh, and that's just the only way I really know how to do things, I guess. Uh, for me, I'm always just doing something as much as I possibly can or I'm not doing it. Uh, I mean, it really is like if you're trying to learn a skill, if you're trying to learn to play the guitar or something, like you're not going to do it once a week and expect to get good at it. You're going to have to see things, you're going to have to do it, you're going to have to get different perspectives, you're going to have to do all that if you want to get better at it. Well, thank you so much for coming, and thank you guys for being wonderful. If you loved this episode, please come back next month on October 20th. I will be talking with co-founder of Arcade Comedy Theater and veteran improviser from Chicago, LA, and Amsterdam, Jethro Nolan. Woohoo! Awesome. Yeah. Uh, our podcast today was recorded in front of a live audience at the Steel City Improv Theater in Pittsburgh, PA. Special thanks to Omar Ornelas for production support. Yeah. Aaron Tarnow for tech support. Yeah, Aaron. The beautiful and talented Michelle Horsley for our opening theme. And of course, Benjamin Amiri. For this and other past episodes, surf to brianmgray.com slash podcasts. And please leave me a review on iTunes if you like the show. If not, don't. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Have a good night. Thank you. <laughs>